Welcome to Parent Talk Podcasts, where experienced parents and expert guests give tips and tricks on making parenting a breeze. Well, at least a little easier. Now here is your host, Genevieve Kyle, and co-host, Heather Fox. Hi everyone, and welcome to Parent Talk, broadcasting out of the greater Vancouver area. We're here to inform, educate, and support parents from the early years and beyond. I'm your host, Genevieve Kyle. Today, we are talking about parental burnout. I am here today with my co-host, Heather Fox. Hi, everyone. Hi, Heather. And via telephone, all the way from New York City, psychotherapist and author of When Kids Call the Shots, Sean Groover. Hi, Sean. Thank you so much for joining us again today. Thank you, Genevieve and Heather. It's great to be back with you guys. You're really good at what you do. I'm glad to be part of it. Thank you so much, Sean. Well, I'm really happy that we can talk about parental burnt out today because we've been hearing a lot about it, Heather and I, and I want to know your opinion as a psychotherapist. Are you seeing a lot of parental burnout? Well, that's, that's, you know, people contact me because they're having trouble with their kids, and uh, usually I'll have them come in for a consultation, and I'll know right away what the real problem is. If I'm looking at two parents that are exhausted, irritable, short-tempered, who are interrupting each other, who look really spiritually, physically, and emotionally exhausted, I know I'm looking at a couple that's battling parenting burnout. They, they don't even know they're battling it. So problems like that in a relationship or parent burnout often manifest in problem, behavior problems in the children. So I have to gently re-steer the conversation towards how they, what's the status of the relationship, how do they maintain uh, their relationship, do they go out, do they have a date now and then, do they take parenting breaks, do each of them have separate uh, things they do, like hobbies or passions. Once parents, you know, every child wants a happy parent, and once parents really start taking better care of themselves and making self-care as important as child care, then we start to see the family move in a much better direction. So, Sean, what does parental burnout look like? Well, for me, I, I think when you start to hate yourself, <laughs> when you become a no factory for your child, no, no, can't, no, don't do that, no, do that, and when you start to sound like your own parent in a very negative way, you're on the path to burnout. Uh, I know as a parent that uh, when I was irritable or grumpy and, and I did things, I would literally hate myself. Oh, God, I just hate myself for saying that. And generally, when you become reactive, when you become caught in this sort of reactive loop of always, uh, you know, responding spontaneously from an emotional place that maybe, you know, the first impulse is often not the best impulse when you're parenting. Uh, so if you're angry and you act on the anger, uh, you're going to regret it. But if you're angry and make a decision, take a pause, make a decision how to manage your feelings in that moment, then you're standing on solid ground. But parenting burnout really looks like a person at their wit's end. Yeah, I can relate sometimes. <laughs> Not really with parental burnout, but sometimes if you react too quick and I think you regret, you hate yourself after, I think it's something we have to be careful with. That's right, because, uh, you know, children are all impulse action, you know, they impulse action, impulse action. They want something, they go for it, right? 
there's no reflective pause. There's no decision-making process. There's no thought of, hey, maybe that's not a good idea to climb the bookshelf and pull the thing off the top. So if you're all impulse action, you're modeling that for your child. Uh, and that's something you, you want to be really careful about. So often I'll instruct parents to include in their child to model, all right, let me think about that for a second. Hmm. What do you think? What could be if we did A or if we did B? How would they be different? And let's make a decision together. Now you're providing a model that's really going to stabilize an impulsive child. If you're burnt out and you're just going uh, mindlessly, responding, putting out fires, you're always going to feel unsatisfied. You're always going to feel like you're walking around with one shoe untied because you're not really grounded. I think it's the same thing with our partner too. When we're getting really tired or burnt out and then we say this to our partner, it's happened to me in the past too sometime and then you hate yourself and then you're modeling this to your kids. I always feel bad about that. Oh, absolutely. And if you look, you know, the statistics on divorce, um, uh, divorce, you know, after the first, the birth of the first child is about 40% of couples divorce wow. uh, after that first child. And then... Uh, some studies they did where they interviewed uh, marriages that had fallen apart and headed towards divorce. They cited the, the crucial point was 18 months after the first child was born. 18 months. So a lot, the bridge from couplehood to parenthood is not is not well prepared for people. People aren't sure what they're getting themselves into, and you really don't know your partner's parenting style until you're a parent, and that's a little late in the game. So um, if we look at uh, children who have parents who are opposing parenting styles, that is the source of endless conflicts between them and also creates enormous tension in the child. You know, is one parent very permissive and one parent becomes a taskmaster? You know, these are the things that lead to real communication problems. And really interestingly, they did a huge study on why people divorce. And when you think of all the things that could happen, financial stress, or maybe someone uh, was unfaithful, or all the things that could destroy a marriage, the number one quality that was identified by couples of several was poor communication. So if there isn't enough, if you don't uh, maintain your relationship, or I don't know of anything that without maintenance eventually won't break down, uh, it's the same with your relationship. And if you're both burned out, your parenting is going to be so impaired. You can pay a therapist, you can read self-help books, But if you're operating from a place of such depletion and exhaustion, it's just not going to, it may work on the page, but it's not going to work in real life. Sean, why might some parents don't realize they have parental burnout? Well, it really, if, if you're a first-time parent, you enter into parenting with expectations of what your child will be like, uh, the expectations for your family. You have this kind of glorified version of parenthood. And then reality sets in, and it's nothing like you expected. So I think people don't realize, when I look at them you know, sitting across from me in my office, gradually, and this, this is sort of an evolutionary process, they're sleeping less, they're uh, exercising less, their diet starts to fall apart. They, they enter into a state of, of decline because they've made this child the priority And that and they start neglecting themselves and they start neglecting their partners. There was one parent, uh, parents that came in, and uh, I could see right away uh, they really needed to work on their relationship. They were hiring me to work on their child, which is often the case 
you know, I call it dry cleaning therapy. is a drop the child off and have it straightened out and you pick it up. Um, so See, I said to them sounds very point, simple, but not that simple, right? <laughs> not that simple. I was trying to figure out how to, how to address this without offending them. So I said, you know, I, a lot of couples, I, sometimes I feel like one person is doing the bulk of the parenting and the other person is sort of the fun parent. And, and, you know, it causes a lot of tension in the marriage. I'm wondering if that's happening here. Well, they started arguing so intensely that the husband got up, stormed out, and slammed the door. So it became very clear to me and to them at that point that they needed to work on their relationship before they could, you know, devote all this energy to hiring a therapist to fix their child. The child was just a manifestation of the tensions between them. So, uh... When parents maybe it's starting to burn out, they kind of need a third person there to point it out and steer them back toward each other. But very often, uh, when self-care falls apart, when you're not maintaining your relationship, when you're not seeing friends, when all you talk about is your child, or you become your identity becomes parent, and you drop off all the other parts, you're you're heading towards burnout, and you may not even realize it. So, Sean, what could the impact on our children be from parental burnout? Yeah, the impact right away for me is the biggest thing you do as a parent is you model. You model communication. You model respect. You model uh, thoughtfulness. And if you're burnt out, all those things go out the window. And so you start modeling uh, negative behaviors or bad habits. Um, I was spoke at an elementary school this morning, and... uh, I watched his father trying to get his son to take off his jacket and his son wanted to run off and play. And the father got into such a rage and screamed at the son and the son started crying. And then the the wife turns to him and said, I told you not to yell at him. And he says, I'm not yelling. And he's yelling. Um, So all that modeling for the child, it means that child's going to be impulsive, irritable, if you can't tell a child don't yell while you're yelling, you can't tell your child to respect me while you're disrespecting them. So parenting burnout really undermines positive modeling and sets a negative tone in the family and sets to reinforce these bad relationship habits. Uh, and ultimately, if you're a burnt out parent, you're really no, you're not a whole lot of fun. And parent, every child wants a happy parent. If um, I work with uh, adults and I ask them, you know, how would they feel if their mother called and they, they said they were, they're just signed for a cruise and they've never been happier in their life, the same word comes, up, word comes up over and over again. I would feel relieved. And a child, when they see the parents happy and functioning well, feels relieved. They can focus on their own life now. So an unhappy parent or a burnt-out parent is a burden for a child. What are the triggers to parental burnout, and can we avoid them? Health problems usually are uh, a great leverage device. Uh, I know when I was a new parent and I packed on 35 more pounds and <laughs> developed all these horrific health problems, I, did, I thought I was doing fine. Uh, and my doctor called me, and I remember I was walking uh, through the city, and he said, whatever you're doing, you've got to stop. And I laughed, and I thought he was joking, and he, he went over my blood test results and 
everything was just so outrageously off. So usually when you start to see uh, health problems come up due to stress, self-neglect, poor sleeping habits, usually that's a, a marker in the road like, okay, I need to do something differently. And then relationship problems, we tend to focus on our child or our partner as maybe failing in some way or defective in some way when actually it's a collaborative process. To avoid those problems, you really need to invest in self-care, in maintaining your health, maintaining your hobbies, maintaining your friendships, not becoming isolated in the house with your kid, getting, you know, my wife and I almost, it was almost 10 years before we had a night alone. Man, if I could go back and redo that, uh, we thought we were being these wonderful, dedicated parents. But children need to get away from their parents, just like parents need to get away from their kids. And I remember once we went away for a weekend, we came back. The kids were so excited to see us, and we were happy to see them. But we were all refreshed by being apart. So really, you have to, when you enter into parenting with the right... uh, mindset, you, you really have to val- remember to value yourself. Don't fall into a self-sacrificing mode. Don't defer all your needs for the child. You think you're being this wonderful, dedicated person, but you're depleting yourself, and your child's going to see the signs of that in your mood and the way that you relate and how you are around the house. So avoiding them, in my experience, most people don't avoid them until something taps them on the shoulder like a health problem or like a relationship problem or like behavior problems with their kids and forces them to stop and reconsider how they've been functioning as a parent or as a partner. Sean, Christmas is around the corner. I know this is a very stressful time for a lot of parents out there. And do you have any tips for us? Absolutely. I would say to make sure you don't fall into the trap of materialism, giving too many presents, or giving your child everything they want ultimately can hurt them in the long run. And when you're, when you're considering gifts, you really want to look at gifts that build on creativity, that build on the child's natural talents, that can build their self-esteem, their sense of identity. One of the best gifts I ever got my youngest daughter was a guitar. And uh, she's 16 now and has played in three different bands, and she's all over the city uh, but that was a, such that was a gift that really promoted her sense of identity. So if you're just buying, uh, if kids are relying on their sense of identity by having certain brand names or certain having toys, well, those things can break down. Those things can be lost. But gifts that are built on self-esteem and talents, kids take those with them into adulthood. So that's the thing. You don't fall into the trap of hunting down the latest gadget or toy because, yeah, we like to see our kids happy, but there's real evidence. The more you give your children in terms of merchandise and these these fad devices, it actually has a negative effect on their self-esteem because they begin to believe they are valuable because they have this thing, not because of who they are. I guess when it comes to Christmas and like that whole falling into materialism thing, this is where my husband falls into the thing where he wants to give Hudson everything he couldn't have. 
And so, and life is like, he, every time we're at a store, he's like, oh, I want to get him this and I want to get him that. And every, like the next thing I know, he's come back with this toy and come back with that toy. I'm like, oh my God, like our closet is exploding with stuff. And he's like, but I, I never had all this stuff. And so like, that's the hard part for him. He just, it's giving, it's, it's all about basically making himself feel good. <laughs> but Hudson has way that's too right. much. But yeah, that's where he falls into that trap right now. Yeah, that's right. So you're trying, he's trying to undo his, his things that happened to him, which is really, really common. Uh, people who didn't have a lot of the child will mm-hmm. often counteract their experience by overindulging their children, piling on the gifts. The studies show that when kids engage in this kind of greedy gift desire, they want this, they want that, that actually the kid becomes more... They, there was a study I read years ago where the kids that are uh, overindulged have the potential later in life to develop problems around credit card debt, around gambling, around compulsive shopping. These are really, you're really planting these seeds. Tell your husband, you know, tell him, quote me on that, because it, it's a little scary, but statistically we're seeing it, it come true. I can totally understand and, that. And I want yeah. to say one more, one more thing about, you know, gift giving. What about the children focus on giving gifts to others, you know, this is something that doesn't get enough play. There were researchers at Harvard, I think it's called the Journal of Happiness, where they found that uh, people uh, were the givers of the gifts consistently scored higher on these happiness scales because giving a gift sort of boosted their interpersonal connectedness to that person, and, it, and they got to their own happiness, got spiked in seeing the, the joy of the gift being received by the other person. So... Okay, if we're going to do gift giving, let's make sure your child puts just as much thoughtfulness into giving gifts and others rather than they get a pile of gifts and then they just hand you something they made in five minutes in class. You know, that's really some, a, a part of it in terms of altruism and generosity. You want to foster. If that's in the holidays and that's a big part of your practice, then let's make sure they understand it from both sides. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. that's a good thing to teach them, definitely. Sean, when it's a good time to seek help if things are going sideways? Well, there's always, it's always, in terms of parenting, it's always a good idea to seek help. I think isolation is the enemy of healthy parenting. Uh, I was doing a workshop this morning downtown uh, with a bunch of parents, maybe about 25 parents in a room, we're talking about their struggles. And I can tell you the mood at the end of that parent workshop, when everyone was relating and identifying with each other and sharing tips and ideas, they, they came in there, a group of strangers, and they left friends, and they left empowered. So if you're feeling isolated, if you're having more days of despair, a lot of parents will think, you know, they'll just muffle through it. So, you know, the social interaction, getting out, sharing your difficulties, there's, plenty, there's a whole school of people there waiting to help you guidance counselors, there's therapists, there's self-help gurus, you can go to lectures, you can uh, read books, something that puts you in the flow of growth. Because if you're striving to grow as a parent, that is an excellent model for your kids. I remember when I was running a program in an elementary school and uh, the parents came in one morning and I had them create art projects and they spent, my God, like two or three hours in my office painting and they had all the art supplies, and they made these creations. And the rest of the week, their kids would come running in my office 
and want to show their friends. Look what my mom did. Look what my dad did. They were so proud uh, of their parents for being creative. So you think, oh, I'm being selfish if I take a class or, oh, I'm being selfish if I do something for myself. It's absolutely the other way around. You're showing your kid that you are growing as a person, that you're striving, that you are still exploring your life, and they will too. Thank you, Sean. Heather, I think it's time for a conversation card. It's time for a conversation card. Every week we like to play a game, not only for fun, but to get to know our guests a little more too. Nobody knows what the mystery card might ask, sometimes silly and sometimes serious. Let's find out what it will be this week. All right, everybody. So today our question is, is it harder for you to eat healthy or to get exercise? I think both are hard. Aren't they hard? (laughs) Yes, it's true. I mean, I'm not looking at a plate plate of broccoli thinking like, oh, yay. Uh, Or I'm not getting on the treadmill saying, oh, I can't wait to run this three-mile uphill track. Uh, I think they're both hard. Uh, And self-discipline, again, getting back to modeling as a parent, self-discipline is a trait that comes with its own rewards. So if you can... You know, you're not really adult. You can't be an adult until you can give yourself an order and follow it regardless of what you're feeling. (laughs) I love it. Thank you, Heather. Um, For me, okay, so in the past, I've definitely found it easier to get exercise. I found eating healthy as much as I had good intentions, took a lot more planning, a lot more preparation, like the meal planning and the food prep and all that kind of stuff where exercise could be social so I could find myself getting out there a lot easier. Although in more recent times because of a car accident and injuries, the exercise has been the harder part where I've had an easier time eating better, but I wish I could get them both together and actually coordinate them. (laughs) Well, I think for me on my side, it's definitely to get exercise. I have a little six month old baby and it's not that easy to packing up, go to the gym and, uh, organize the babysitting at the same time. So I'm doing a lot of walks outside. I can't really, I'm running yet because of pelvic floor issue after giving birth. That's another problem a lot of moms out there, I'm sure they have. So yeah, for me, it's definitely uh, getting exercise right now. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you, Sean and Heather, for taking the time to be here and for your contribution in other parents' lives, helping us be the best parents we can be. For our listeners, if you have a question or you would like to join us on our show as a guest or as an expert, please visit the Contact Us section on our website at parenttalk.ca. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Podbean. Or you can subscribe directly to this podcast on our website at parenttalk.ca so you don't miss an episode. Please take a minute to review us on Apple Podcasts. We want to know what you think. Remember, there's nothing more powerful than feeling supported by a community of parents and sharing your thoughts, ideas, and experiences. Parent Talk is a safe space for everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and have a great week. The views and or opinions of the host and their guests are not necessarily those of Parent Talk and should not be considered as fact. The information offered is believed to be accurate but is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be used for diagnosing or treating any health issue or prescribing medication. If you have any questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your child, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare practitioner.